So, hey guys, this is Saucy Rockets, episode 21. I'm Mary. I'm Leah. And we are ridiculously excited today to have with us professional hockey player Melanie Desrochers. And we apologize if we are butchering your name. <laughs> um, most recently, she played as a defender for Les Canadiens de Montreal of the CWHL for three seasons. You may have seen her on TV in the Clarkson Cup final. Before that, she played D1 hockey at St. Lawrence University. Her senior year, she scored almost a point per game and served as captain of the team. She's a member of the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, and she also has a master's degree in neuroscience and has a podcast called The Last Stretch, which we'll ask her about during the interview. So when you watch hockey, you enjoy the game, and a lot of times, if you're like us, um, you may have no idea what it took for a player to get to the point where she's playing professionally or what the everyday life of a player is like. So this is an amazing opportunity for us to sit down with a professional player and to hear about the path she took and where she sees the game developing, and we are really, really excited to get started. So um, just to ease into things, how is your summer going? It's, it's going pretty well. It's, it's going by fast. I will say that in general. I can't believe that it's August. I'm at that point where you're kind of wondering what you did all summer with your time, but you were busy <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> but it's going pretty well. Very good. So we'll just start out at the beginning. Um, when did you start playing hockey and what drew you to the game? So I, I started when I was seven, which is, is quite young, but also a little bit late compared to um, like boys, let's say, because like I have an older brother, so he started out when he was like four. <laughs> um, and I actually started playing because of my brother. And it was it's a funny story. It was sort of like a revenge plot. Um, my mom had put me into dance prior to that, and we were on our way to sign up for another season of dance. I don't even know if it's called a season, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> another year of dance, I guess. And, uh, I told my mom in the car, I was like, I don't really want to dance anymore. So she asked what I wanted to do, because for her, she didn't really care as long as uh, maybe I was participating in some sort of physical activity. So I said, I wanted to play hockey. And when she asked why, well, I had said that it wasn't fair that my brother only got to come watch me dance once at a recital, and I had to go watch him play every weekend. So I was like, I want to play hockey to make him watch me play. <laughs> so that's how it started. And then, um, yeah, I never really stopped. I mean, I took a little bit of break after college. We can get into that. But, um, yeah, I started at 7, played with the boys, up until high school, then moved to the women's team. And it was something I really loved, and it turned out I wasn't too bad at it. <laughs> Clearly. <laughs> Did you love playing hockey right away, or was it more of an acquired taste? I loved it right away. Um, I mean, I was fortunate, like, where I grew up, um, we had, like, a pond in the backyard. So, like, I already knew how to skate. Um, before playing the sport, but I think as a kid, I had I had a lot of energy, and I didn't have really the patience to just learn a dance routine. Um, <laughs> it was very it was very repetitive. Like even in my life now, like I, I don't like repetitive stuff, and I think I love the team aspect of it. I'm a pretty social person, and and I liked how the game is very dynamic and uh, d demands different parts of physicality um so I, I i remember loving it from the beginning 
Out of curiosity, since you already knew how to skate before you started playing, did you start skating in hockey skates or figure skates? I, I, that's a good question. I'd have to go for the carriage because I, I don't remember learning how to skate. <laughs> that's how young I was. I, I'm going to say it was probably hockey skates just because uh, they're definitely handy downs from my brother. Like, so I, I would assume hockey skates because they were probably just like a smaller size my brother grew out of and I plopped them on. I'm just so jealous you don't even remember learning how to skate because I feel like I started learning just a couple years ago as an old person and it is it is like seared into my memory. I'm pretty sure the rink still pulls out videos of me wiping out over and over again. So I would love to have just like I mean, always known how to do it. I know it is it, it, like I'm fortunate because I, I ended up teaching an adult skating class when I was at McGill University and so I signed up to, to teach this class because I was like, oh, that could be cool. Like, I know how to skate. And I, I was preparing for my first lesson, and I was like, wait, how do I skate? Like, I really <laughs> had to, like, think of, like, what my body was doing. Um, I mean, I knew how to skate, but I, I, I got put into power skating classes with my brother at, like, quite a young age mm-hmm. just because my, um, my dad knew a figure skate coach. Um, at like a local rink in a in like a small rural town who had ice time Monday evenings and she did power skating coaches but like or classes so my dad just thought you know that could be good extra work for us and um, sometimes like no other kids would show up so it would be my brother and I <laughs> and um, and I did that for almost I don't know I remember doing it for a long time. And we got to a point, like, the senior skating coach was kind of like, I, I can't teach you anymore, like, um, you know, for the class. Because it was still a class setting. Like, my brother and I were too advanced for right. it. Um, but that really helped, I think, in, in my style of play. So I remember power skating. I don't remember the initial learning curve, though. So. <laughs> I think we both dream of the day our, our coach says he can't teach us anything else. <laughs> yeah, well, she was just never like, happened. I can't. <laughs> I mean, you can still learn. There's no like, a ton I can learn now. It's just, like, it was still a class setting where we were still in a class with newbies, and my brother and I were, were clearly not right. uh, new. <laughs> <laughs> so but. you said that you started playing with um, on a boys' team. So were you the only girl, or were there others? So I was the only girl on my team. Um, there was a couple other girls in the league um, at various points as I played. Like, some years there was zero. It was just me, some one, some two. Uh, but I was always the only girl on, on my team. Um, so I grew up in, in Welland, Ontario. And there is, there's actually a women's program um, in Niagara Falls, which isn't, isn't too far. It's just, I think at, like, at the time I started, yeah, I don't think my parents actually knew, or maybe they, you know, Everyone else they knew who had a girl was just putting them in boys hockey. And then as, uh, as like, the boys got bigger, it was always a conversation of, like, should I switch over? And I, I remember, I think it was uh, grade 7. So how old are you, grade 7? I don't know, like 12 or something. My, my mom was concerned that I might get hurt because like at the time my my D partner that year was six foot 
and I was yeah. Well, like that's when that's when growth spurts start happening. <laughs> you were I'm sorry. Did you so say four mom, foot ten? Yeah, and like my team partner, <laughs> like the, the pictures are hilarious. And my mom's like, "Good thing he's on your team," but um, oh, no. you know, I was playing against a lot of like big boys, and I was small, but like I was very agile. I like rarely got hit, but you know, my mom was scared, so yeah. I told her I would go try out for the the women's team, and um, I went and. I remember leaving that that camp and I was like mom it's so bad and my mom's like yeah <laughs> so I played one more year with the boys and then I, I, I moved up and then in high school I joined a, a women's team that was like an hour away from my town but that had a higher level of play so um, I kind of stuck it out with the boys until um, high school and then I found a team that was up to sort of my caliber which I mean thankfully I had like parents the time to drive me an hour to practice but yeah. um, I think I think times have changed now like where I grew up there are high caliber uh, leagues for women to play in which is nice how was it being the only girl on your team I mean it's like when you're young you don't really realize like you know when I was seven I didn't really realize I was like the only girl I don't think you know I was just out there having fun it's it's not till you like grow up and then it's like pointed out to you that that you're a girl you know like after games feel oh my god you're such you're so good for a girl you know every time I was like <laughs> for a girl <laughs> and um and then like I I remember like realizing it was different when uh uh I don't know exactly how the conversation happened, but it was like one year I was getting my own dressing room, you know. So I would I would get changed alone um, because I was female. So I mean, my guys on my team were always like so supportive. Um, well, that's good. Other, well, yeah, like honestly, very supportive um, on my team. When we played other teams, you know, sometimes people would would like headhunt for me, yeah. uh, but then my team would defend me. So it was, a, it was like a weird dynamic, but I think I enjoyed it. Do you think that it made you a better player to play with boys, or do you think it probably wouldn't have made that much of a difference? I, I think at the time, it, it made me better, just because, uh, like, women's hockey was still quite new, so I don't think there was, like, that many players, A, so, like, you you play fewer teams in the women's side, so that's just like you know fewer players that are, have mixed skill sets. And I I think honestly playing contact definitely teaches you to skate with your head up. Um, so I I feel like that aspect maybe contributes a little bit. Uh, but at the time, yes. Now I don't know if it would make a huge difference. If like if I had a daughter. I think I, I put her in a women's program just because there's a, there's other benefits too to like playing. Like I, I missed out on some team aspects because I was changing in a locker room by myself. Yeah. Um, so th- there's other things that can be gained playing with a women's team. I think when I was young, maybe just playing with a, you know as a with having full on contact teaches you to skate with your head up a little bit more. So, um, you're a defender. When did you start, when did you get your position? Like, how far into playing hockey were you before you decided that that was what you wanted to do? Oh, so I, uh, 
I always want to play forward. I still like want to play forward. Like my <laughs> my style of defensive is very offensive. Uh, but I um I started playing defense quite young because I was the only one on my team who could skate backwards. They would always just like put me on defense and and um it just kind of stuck at that point. Like I love playing defense, but like you, my style of play is very offensive. I love jumping in the rush and, and being part of that action as well. So I, I have played defense like from a very young age and and stuck with it. So you mentioned that as you progressed, there was more contact. And so, you know, people talk about the physicality of women's hockey and people always bring up the fact that there's like a no checking rule. Um, what do you think about that? Um, do you do you think that it's good to have that in place or do you think that it would be better for the game to just allow full on checking? Good question. Um, honestly, I, I like... Like, it's not that our game's not physical. It's very physical. Like Definitely. And I, I like, it changes the game more. Like, and I like our style of play because I would, I honestly don't think I would like to play defense on the male side. Because as a defense on the male side, like, when I watch the NHL and stuff, sometimes I'm like, I, I wouldn't do that in my sports. Like, a lot of times you'll just see them chip it out, out of the defensive zone off the glass, right? Because they know that if in a 50-50 battle, maybe they're – their forward could just run over that other player and get the puck back. For me, I go, well, that's like kind of a waste, you know, because I just gave the puck away. So I, I wouldn't change, like, the women's game. Like, I think the physicality that's there is great. I don't think it's necessary to have open ice hits, especially with the consequences we know of concussion and head injuries. I don't think it would be something of value to add to our game. I think our game demands a lot more tactics and, and uh team play and I, I think that's beautiful so um I wouldn't add it I think because I played when I was young it was kind of fun but like I was never a big hitter and you know um yeah I don't know I, I wouldn't change it I think the the open ice hits aren't necessary to our game I think that's such an interesting point too about like how checking kind of impacts defensive play so I when we scrimmage I get stuck playing defense a lot because I'm okay. not fast and I don't I don't have a shot like at all um yes, and you do. Stop it. <laughs> I kind of just always get stuck back on defense and, some credit. right and it's and it's horrible and I'm bad at it and I hate it and like you know it's a lot of the dudes especially who are always like just stay back and then just shoot the puck out to us and like we'll fight for it and get it because they're out there being like physical and actually having fun like being forward yeah. So I, I think about that, like, that makes a lot of sense. If they can go out there and, you know, battle for it and get it, then, you know, if there was actually, like, yeah. they weren't allowed to be physical, like, that would make they'd have know, to, they'd have defense to do something. a lot less boring yeah. for me. But yeah, yeah, like, I don't know. It's just, like, I, in my style of play, like, I try as hard as I can not to just, like, tip it off the boards into dead space. But, like, sometimes you have to, obviously, because right. that's, like, what you you have and the option you have. But, like knowing that, like, my center can't just get laid out as she's curving, like, in the D zone, and I'm like, okay, I think I can get to her, and she'll have, like, a, you know, a few seconds to make a play, you know, I can, I can, I can do that pass, where the men's, maybe they're going to be like, nah, he's just going to get destroyed. He's just clobbered, yeah. <laughs> and I don't know, maybe it's not something, like, the men think of, it's just, like, when I watch it, I'm like, I don't know if I would have made that decision, because 
you know, I know that they're not going to get um, blindsided. Right. And again, like I said, like what we know of concussions now, I don't think we need to add that. Yeah, I mean, we agree. I mean, that that makes a lot of sense. And and even in our own experience, um, playing, um, we've played both with all women and then with men. And there's definitely, it's a whole different feel. Yes. And there's there's definitely more strategy Mm -hmm. involved, (laughs) at least at our level, with just women. (laughs) Um, No, and I I think it's good. So... uh, at what point did you realize that you were really good at hockey and that you could take this like to the next level? Um, I guess like I wasn't until like high school, honestly. Like I, I was very oblivious. Like I didn't really even know you could go to like college, like on, on scholarship and stuff, just because like I didn't, there was no one around me who had done that really. Um, and then uh, I joined a Stony Creek team which is in a, like in Ontario there's a PWHL um it's like the provincial women's hockey league and and the highest level is called junior and uh so that's where I went to play and it wasn't until I got there being in that league and the older girls were going off to college in the U.S. um that I realized oh okay maybe you know maybe I am quite good and then it really hit me when like start, recruiters started um contacting me to go to play at certain schools that I was kind of realized that that could be an option but it wasn't like a goal I had like when I was young or that I that I was working to achieve I just I just played because it was fun and I I think that's like you know my greatest advice to parents sometimes because sometimes parents like oh how'd you get to college like what kind of training did you do I go just make sure your kids are having fun because you know, if they're having fun, they're, they're going to devote the time to it. Like, I, I, you know, shot pucks in the driveway because I liked it, you know, and I asked my dad, I'm like, Dad, can you put a mesh up so I don't lose all the pucks and, you know, ruin the garage door? Because I, I liked it. You know, I had fun doing that. So um, I guess you could say, like, high school, like, I, when I figured out I, I wasn't bad. <laughs> <laughs> so was there, like, a any sort of transition between kind of just, like, playing just for fun to kind of once you had that realization that you had the skill and wanted, you know, to go on and play in college or, or beyond that? Or did you just keep having fun with not, it? Just... Not really. Because, like, like, what I find most fun is competing. So I've always had, like, that competitive edge. Like, I'm very much of the team, like, I hate losing more than I love win- winning. So, <laughs> so um, nothing really, like, changed. I was just, like, I mean, I think maybe I worked out a little bit more because um, I was kind of scrawny. So I think when I realized if I wanted to to achieve more, uh, maybe, you know, working out was going to be where I could, could make some improvements. So, yeah, I did make that change. Started working out, like lifting a little bit more, you could say. All right, awesome. So um, we coach very, very low levels. Um, but do you remember anything from your, your either your youth hockey days or once you started getting up to those higher levels in terms of how you're, what do you remember about how your coaches instructed you or pushed you that had a, had a big impact? Ooh, no one's ever asked me that. Okay. Oh, uh, let's see. I mean, I think, Like, I will say, like, as a, co- like, a skill that, like, I focus on was 
basically the skating I'd had mentioned before. That was a skill that, like, I went with a figure skating coach, but she she really advocated that, like, if you're a strong skater, that's the base of, of hockey. Like, and I think that's helped me because I'm quite small and people are always shocked, A, when I tell them I'm only, like, five foot three, because I, I play very big and I think it's because I'm very strong on my skates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I, I rarely get pushed around despite my size. So I think like that was like one aspect. It's not like a particularly, uh, like something very particular, but it's kind of like a growth skill that really helped me. As far as other skills, I think is, um, always keeping your feet moving. That was like the best advice someone told me because oftentimes when I see, or like even myself, if I watch video of myself, the times I've made a bad play is because I, I got the puck and I my feet stopped moving. And you know, I'm looking around, I'm like, where should I pass it or whatever. First thing you do when you get the puck is just like, move your feet. Yeah. And then, are, and then make a choice. We're laughing so at ourselves I, I think because as as, our, our coach always <laughs> yells at us either during clinics or during games that we need to move our feet more. And we always think, well, of course we're moving our feet. We're skating, aren't we? Until we look back at the video and there's absolutely no foot yeah, movement, no. movement happening at all anywhere. <laughs> yeah, so uh, moving feet, that's another one. And, um, like, keep your head up. Like, like learning to skate with your head up, it differentiates player. Like, like we all know her like I watch her when I'm on the bench and I think like the biggest skill she has is she's never looking down like she knows the puck's on her stick and she's looking up everywhere and I think that's a it's hard to learn it's hard to do it's it's really hard (laughs) it's it's goals right there (laughs) yeah even for me All right, so we talked a little bit about how there weren't many girls on some of your teams, and something we've seen is that um, the higher up um, in level um, kids go, the fewer girls there are. So I had, I think last year I coached a U12 team, and there was one girl, and then this year I'm doing U14, and there are it's a team of all boys. So what do you think okay. can be done to get more girls to stay in the game? I mean, A is just like... It's not even, like, a hockey issue. It's, like, a, a society issue. I mean, the the number of women who continue doing sports um, decreases as they go up in age. And I think we just need to get over the fact that it's not a manly thing to play sports. Because sometimes, it, I mean, we know how hard it can be with social pressures in, in schools and high schools and stuff. Um, you know, I was lucky I was surrounded by, like, a, a really good group of friends. But... Yeah. You know, people are always like, ah, you're, you're such a tomboy, you know? It's like, no, I'm just myself, and I like to play hockey. <laughs> um, so I think, I mean, that's, like, gross changes. I think having, you know, places for women to play, like, you know, it shouldn't be that they have to commute two hours to find a women's team if that's, you know, what they want to do. Um, you know, it's just, and, and again, if, if, like, the if these young girls could see more professional women hockey players in general that might motivate them as well you know because they only see them every four years for the most part that's the only time there's like a a big media influx uh, you know with representation so you know big big issues I guess but I think that and having good, good coaches mentors like I'm sure you know having you guys as like women coaching definitely encourage you know probably some of them to stick with it or 
we like to we like to pretend so. <laughs> Mainly, just involves a I lot mean, of the teenage a- boys joking about us dating our like male co coaches, which is you know obnoxious. <laughs> that's, that's funny, but I mean that would have been huge. Like, I don't think I had my first female coach till I was like in grade eleven. Wow. So I was like sixteen, I guess. Yeah. I don't think. Yeah. Never. Yeah. Probably 16, 15, 16 was the first time I had a female coach. Wow. It's funny because we're here in the D.C., Maryland area, and hockey isn't as big here. And so I think we have this perception that in Canada, there's just so much more opportunity Mm -hmm. for girls to start playing at young ages. So it's kind of shocking for us Mm -hmm. to hear all these stories about girls who played on boys' teams because there wasn't girls' hockey and that it's a relatively, not a new phenomenon, but it's just kind of catching on a little bit more like recently yeah and I, I mean like there there were girls programs it's just like they were far few like in city centers there was a lot more right and I didn't really live in a city center so you know like for my parents logistically they're like well we could just take the ring that's five minutes down the street right <laughs> you yeah. know so, so you know because we know there's like in Canada hockey's huge every small town has definitely a men's program but, you know, it could be for every men's, you know, uh, youth league, there's maybe like every hundred men's, maybe there's like two women. I don't know the stats on it, but I can imagine it would be something like that. So before we leave your youth hockey days and, and how you got started, um, what's your funniest memory of your childhood hockey playing experiences? <laughs> oh, um, funniest hockey memory. I mean, it's so funny because, like, all the memories are, like, never really when you're on the ice. Well, okay, there's, <laughs> there's lots of ice ones. Because, like, I remember, like, you know, the hotels playing mini sticks or, like, playing on the pond with, like, my brother or, or like, I think on the ice was, and, like, it's not to condone, like, fighting, but, like, <laughs> I remember this one this I was quite young and this this guy kept like picking on me all game all game and then he, we were in front of the net and I just pushed him over and I like sat on his chest <laughs> and just gave him like a and just gave him a little shot in the head and, you know not to consider fighting it wasn't okay um, and you know I remember being in the car and my parents were like hey fighting is not really you know it shouldn't be a part of the game and then my dad just kind of gave me, like, a little wink, you know, like, <laughs> you know, stand up. So, so I, I love that memory as far as on the ice memory. That's amazing. That's great. So uh, transitioning on to college, um, you mentioned that there were a lot of recruiters or there were recruiters who had come to see you play and were trying to get you to go to their schools. Um, how did you mm-hmm. choose to play at St. Lawrence? Yeah, um, so, yeah, that was an interesting experience because, like, I didn't really know, like, because there's a lot of rules to, you know, how they should recruit you, and 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 then we, no one really guides you how to choose school necessarily. Um, so it, it was definitely a learning experience for both me and my parents because, you know, you, you don't know what some of them is. Sometimes it's like cattle mail, like you just get stuff in the mail and you're like, are they serious about it? And some people are emailing you people are calling you and then every year um as you age like the recruiters are allowed to do like more things as far as like when you're very young they can only like mail you things and then at a certain point they can email you and then 
at a certain age, they're allowed to talk to you at the rink. And then, so it was like weird just like learning um, that sort of process. For me, um, when I chose St. Lawrence, um, I had a couple girls I'd already played with that were at that school. Um, so it was nice to have like some insider feedback of, of what their experience was like. Um, so I was kind of like between three schools, um, Dartmouth, um, UNH, and St. Lawrence. And I think the final the final decision came down. It was just kind of like I went to visit St. Lawrence. And I, it sounds corny. It was just like I had a feeling like that that's where I was going to be comfortable. It's, it's a small liberal arts school. Um, I went to a very small high school because I went to a French high school in a predominantly English town so I knew I was going to be comfortable um in that small area like I never lived in a city uh they had a really good uh science program at St. Lawrence um you know I, I still had some academic aspirations so I, I knew I was going to find like the education I needed as well as playing hockey um and the other fact it was like the kind of the closest school to home so like I knew that my parents you know, could come watch me when they, they wanted. So that's how I chose. Um, my parents were very, um, it's your decision, which was, it was so annoying while I was going through it. So I was like, what do you guys think? Which school? They're like, we're not going to say anything. <laughs> like, you know, we don't want to influence me. you. And then finally, yeah. <laughs> so when I finally like told them like, okay, I committed to St. Lawrence. They were like cheering. They're like, that's the one we wanted. Oh. I was like, I <laughs> So, yeah, it was just, uh, you know, I guess facets of, like, uh, I was comfortable when I went there. Uh, the coach, you know, it seemed like we were going to get along and, like, he was going to push me to, to where I wanted to be. And then, um, again, I knew a couple girls on the team. So that's always nice to know that, like, you're going to see at least a couple familiar faces when you get somewhere new. So what was that um – transition like going to college did it um I guess was the level of play probably different did your training and condition regimen change a lot yeah it changed a lot for me because so I uh when I played hockey like during high school it's not like a, I didn't play for my high school like I did but that wasn't it wasn't very serious hockey so a lot of like U.S. girls that I met at if they go to prep school and for them they're on the ice like every day so it's, it's kind of like college where wow. for me um you know we were only on the ice twice a week practicing and then we played you know two games a weekend something like that um so definitely as far as frequency like there was a lot more hockey we practiced um every day we worked out you know three three times a week um on top of the skate so um that that was a lot, and then you you know you're starting university, so you're you know you're a you're away from home, so you're trying to manage mm -hmm. like your social life, your academic work, and uh, you know getting to practice on time. But I I don't know I felt like I transitioned really pretty well. Like I was just so excited to be there, and honestly I was so excited to be on the ice that much. So for me, you know, uh, it was just again I was just having fun. So like I. I really just dug my teeth in and I liked it. So transition is definitely different. Like style of play, yes, it, it, was, it was much faster. Cause, you know, now you have like 
basically just the top of the top. So um, speed was speed as far as like just like the decision making. Like you have like a lot less time to to make a choice. Yeah, that was what I found like the biggest choice. Like as far as like foot speed, yes, it was like generally faster. It's just like girls were on you like so much quicker than when I was in high school. So that was an adjustment. Um, but you catch on. So what was, like, a, an average day like playing in college? Like, how much time were you okay, in, you know, so, in class versus trying to have a life versus, you know, training in some sort? Yeah, so I guess it's, like, you can kind of split up the, the week in two because, like, earlier in the week, you're going to have a higher, like, workout load. Um, and then later in the week as you're approaching your games, like, you don't want to be sore. So for me, like... Let's say Monday, Monday, Tuesdays would be, uh, we'd always have almost like a, like a two hour practice, some, like an hour and a half, two hour practice, depending, you know, what we were trying to achieve. And also if it was earlier on in the season, like early on in the season, like you're kind of like practicing a lot more just because you're working on like system stuff and you're just trying to get like your game legs. And then later in the season, like, you're just trying not to get injured, so some, sometimes you just practice it or just like an hour. Yeah. But let's say an hour and a half, two hours, um, and then a usually an hour lift at, uh, at one point throughout the day, and you're usually assigned a lift, you know, sometime between your classes. And then I would also go to, like, skill sessions. Uh, you know, they weren't mandatory, but, like, um, we could go on, like, sm- small groups of, like, three with the coach or four with the coach and work on basic skills so I would usually do that for like half hour as well so I guess that's you know let's say three and a half hours of of hockey I think my my legs are falling off just listening to this (laughs) (laughs) that's a lot yeah it's a lot it's a lot of showers honestly like (laughs) yeah that too like I would like, I would, it, it just, like, brings me up to my, like, every time I go to the hairdressers, they're like, you should wash your hair less. I'm like, <laughs> I can't not wash it. Like, I just put a helmet twice today, and I worked out. Like, I showered, like, three times. But, so I would have, I guess, three and a half hours of hockey stuff. And then for me, because I was in, like, a science program, I often had uh, labs, which is um, a little bit more work than social sciences I guess like as far as in class time yeah I would probably average um I don't know probably uh yeah sometimes four to six hours of class depending on the day that's insanity. That was a lot. It sounds a lot now that so I'm were saying you, it were you were you just pumping coffee directly into your veins because <laughs> I didn't drink coffee until late grad school when I was writing my thesis. So I don't know. I guess I was just (laughs) writing on useful spirits. (laughs) Wow. Good for you. (laughs) I I, I like need a nap now just listening to that. That's exhausting. (laughs) But that's like, that's like a big day, you know, that's like a big (laughs) average day. And then, yeah, later in the week, like Thursdays was like real quick hour practice because we would play Friday, Saturday. So Thursday was, like, quick practice and no lift. So, like, Thursdays was basically only one hour of hockey. If you want to do, like, a half-hour skills, sure, that's no problem. Um, and then Wednesdays, like, 
we would have a, a lift, but it was usually more like uh, mobility stuff. So, so nothing that was going to get you sore right. for the weekend, just working on maybe like a hip mobility or, or something like that. Awful. <laughs> so <laughs> we, we got a lot of questions about your workout and fitness regimen because I think a lot of people just don't know what – professional high-level athletes do to keep themselves conditioned. So this is a point of great interest for people. Um, so one question we got was, what is one of the things that you did to work out that you hated doing but was really good for your training? Ooh, Bulgarian split squats. Those are the you worst. Are? Those I, no, are the worst. I don't know what they I are. I hate them so much. My personal trainer used to oh make me do them all the time, and they're God. horrible. Like, they're just, they're just, they're difficult. Like, they, it's like the one exercise that gets me, like, so sore. Um, but it's very good. A, because, like, obviously we know strong legs is, is uh, you know, a big component to, to skating and playing hockey. But then when you do it, like, in a split squat, um, any, anything that you kind of work on one leg is, is better for hockey because you're really alternating. Skating is just moving, you know, from one leg next to the next. So anytime you can work out do an exercise with one leg, it's better. But, like, Bulgarian stiff squats, like, I'm still not a fan of it. Like, they're just, they're just, like, I'm so sore the next day, every time. I don't even know what they are. I'm... <laughs> so, it's like, so, it's like you're in a, a, a lunge, right? Like, mm-hmm. a, a, in a lunge, but your back leg is, like, elevated, like, on a, on a bench or something. So, so you have to really maintain your core because you're on one leg, uh-huh. and then it's like a squat. So you could do it either holding like dumbbells or kettlebells, or with like a, a barbell, like a back squat. Um, so they're awful. They're awful. It's, it's tough. They're the worst. Like it's a very isolated, like one butt cheek. Like. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how? I'm just trying to understand, like. There are people like us, and then there are high-level athletes. So how many of those would you have to do in a typical workout? Oh, so it's, it's, I don't know. It really depends. Like, I work out very differently now than I was in college just because time-wise. And, and, like, I you know, in college, someone's just programming me, like, just go do this. But, like, um, you, you want to, if you want to, it's like the same concept of working out, like, still stand. Like, if you want to build mass, then you're going to go, like, uh, lower reps with a higher weight. So somewhere between, like, three and five reps, um, really heavy weight. Um, and then, I don't know, like, four sets, five sets, depends. Um, but, you, you know, you don't, do, you, have to, you don't have to do those every day if you don't want to, but... Um, who would who would want to and why? <laughs> I bet someone out there likes it. Crazy. People. Lots of squats. <laughs> Craziness. In general, in general, like for for hockey, like you want to work explosive and strength. So so strength, you know, squat. Like Corey Kennedy is like um, he he was the trainer for Nick Kennedy, but he he's really the trainer for the national girls, like the Canadian national girls here. So. Um, they work out with him all the time. Like I'm not a, on the national team, so um, I have to like work out by myself. But like he makes them squat like almost every day. Wow! <laughs> but they have you know very strong legs now. But yeah, so you want to do <laughs> you want to do like uh, weight training, but also very explosive training. So you know, something else that's good is like uh, uh, jump squats, like weighted or not weighted. 
And anytime you're trying to move your body in a different direction as closely as, or as quickly as you can. Because hockey is a game of transition, and if you can beat, you'll, you'll, if you can beat that person in the first three steps, then you know you're going to get to the puck first. So, um, in terms of your regimen, we also got a question about your nutrition. <laughs> so, people want to know a lot about you. Um, what What is your favorite <laughs> cheat day meal? That was a question that we got from someone. A, a pregame meal? Or um, your favorite cheat day meal. I guess assuming that you're on some type of food regimen. Oh, a cheat day meal? Yeah. Mm, okay. <laughs> well, okay, so Montreal A is just like <laughs> the best city for food. Um, I really love... I guess it's not even, like, considered, I, it's not a good cheat day. Like, I really love, like, Middle Eastern food, like, hummus mm-hmm. and, like, falafel and stuff. It's not that unhealthy. If I'm going to cheat, like, I'm going to go for a big, like, burger. Burger <laughs> and fries. Like, honestly, you can't really beat that. Awesome. All right, Poutine. and what is your... Poutine's very unhealthy. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I agree. What is your best <laughs> college playing memory? Oh, uh, I'm assuming okay. it's not the sports I, It's like girls. a whole season. It's like a whole season. My, like, sophomore year, we won ECACs, and and we were we were quite an underdog team. Like, St. Lawrence is always, you know, we've always made playoffs and always, like, in the running, but still, like, no one believed, like, we weren't on, we weren't on paper, like, the team to win. And second half of the season, we went on a tear, like, just won, like, 18 uh, game straight and I like it was an incredible season and I like my favorite memory I think is we were uh, playing Cornell in, in the final and Cornell's starting lineup was literally all national girls like all Canadian it was basically like Hockey Canada on the blue line and then <laughs> like me and like the rest and, and we beat them and I think that was just like a greatest memory because you know, no one thought we were going to do it, and we did it. So, like, celebrating that win was, I, like, remember being on the ice. I remember all the goals, so, like, precisely, um, it, it was incredible. So it's, like, a, almost a whole season memory, but that final game was incredible. That's awesome. Do you rub it in? <laughs> oh, all the time. <laughs> it's so fun now playing, like, like professionally, because, uh, I mean, the hockey world gets, it gets kind of small, like, as you, you know, you've played with or against pretty much all, almost anyone, like, even right now, my, my roommate is Erin Ambrose, and she played for Clarkson, which is St. Lawrence's rival, so, like, now we, we just laugh about, like, how much we hated each other's rings, and, <laughs> you know, we talk about games, like, yeah, I remember when we beat you that one time, it's, it's just like a series of, of jerks, it's, it's a lot of fun. So, um, you mentioned earlier that, um, you kind of took a hiatus or you, did you say you took a year off from hockey, um, after college where you took a Yeah, break? I actually took two years off. Yeah. I, so after, after, um, St. Lawrence, I applied to grad school to go to McGill in Montreal and, um, they got in. So I was going to Montreal and McKenna Jen was still here, you know, part of the CWHL and. I remember having a conversation with, like, my coach at St. Lawrence. He was like, hey, you're moving to Montreal. Like, are you thinking of playing, you know, in this CWHL? And, I, 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 and like, 
it's part of like why I came back. I remember saying like I don't really see the point. Like maybe I should just like focus on you know my career at this point. Like I don't know if I'm gonna have the time. You know I, I don't know if I could commit to to giving away all my weekends and most of my evenings. I didn't know what like my research was gonna be like as far as time commitment. So I you know I I didn't play. I came. I just focused on grad school and. And I, I missed it. Like, you know, first year wasn't too bad. I tried to pick up other hobbies, you know. I'm like, okay, I'm just going to, like, become a runner. And that did last. <laughs> and um, one of my old teammates, Tavette Mall from St. Lawrence, she had just moved back to Montreal, and she played um, a, a season. So this is, like, now second year I'm not playing. And just talking with her, I was like, I really miss playing. She's like, you should just come back. I'm like, you know, I should, because this is, like, bullshit. Like, I totally made this choice not to play, because I was like, well, A, you know, is I don't get paid. Like, you know, I'm in grad school. I make, like, zero money. I'm, you know, I have funding for schooling, but, like, I was living <laughs> very cheaply. Like, I was like, what if I break a stick? <laughs> and I was like, well, if everyone, like, makes, you know, every college player chooses not to play because it's going to be difficult, then we're never going to, like, get to, to a place where, um, you know, playing professional hockey can be viable. So I came back because I was like, at least I, if I play one season, I could at least say I was part of, you know, making a change in, in three years. And, like, even this year, like, with, uh, you know, the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association, like, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty of, like, what this year's going to look like. And I have a new job that's quite, like, time-consuming, but, like, I'm still going to do my best to manage both because, you know, I want to be part of, of a positive change. That's great. Um, so I remember reading about um, the, the person who was hired to be the executive director of the PWHPA, and he was talking about how mm-hmm. it was sad for him to imagine or to see players who were playing in their last games um, and kind of like not not knowing whether they or or like not having anywhere else to go after that, um, and so I was yeah. wondering like when you when you stopped like how was it like your last game in college were you really emotional about that? Yeah, honestly, like it's called senior day. So in college, like when whenever you're playing your last home game, so because there's like two sad moments. Your last home game where you, like, the last time you get to play in the rink you've played for the past four years. And then there's, like, the last game. Because the last game, sometimes you don't know when it is because it's, like, playoff. Um, both were, like, incredibly sad. Um, and and it's funny because Brian Hicks, when, when we found out Brian was, like, joined the uh, PWHPA, I was like, oh, that name's familiar. I'm like, did he rep? And yeah, he repped me all four years in college. Like, like <laughs> wow. I remember seeing him. I was like, Brian Hicks. And um, so he's he's seen, he's witnessed, you know, the raw emotion because your your last game, like usually your family comes, you know, your home game, your family comes, and and there's like a ceremony, and like everyone cries. Like all it is is like tears because it's like you're not ready. Like, that's the thing. It's like, you're, I don't think there's one college person who's ready to stop, you know? Like, you're, I was 21. I was like, okay, this is it. You know, this is the epitome. So it's, it's, that was incredibly sad because, A, like, 
St. Lawrence is my home. I spent six hours a day in that rink. You know, we would study in that rink. Like, um, you know, it's it's hard leaving sort of something that brought you so much joy. But, like, joy and sadness. Like, that's what I love about sports is, like, it brings out so many emotions. And then, like, I remember my last game was at Quinnipiac because we were there for playoffs and, and then we got beat out. And it was hard to get undressed because I was like, I don't want to, I know it's like taking off this equipment means that I won't put it on again as like a competitive athlete because you can still play hockey. Like I play hockey in like a beer league with some guy friends right now, but it's not the same, you know? Right. Yeah. So it's, it, it's hard. It's hard. And I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of, it was nice to know that Brian noticed that, you know, because like sometimes you don't think other people see it because you're living it so like emotionally. Like even my parents were so sad because they're like, you know, they're like, I can't believe this is the last time we get to see you play. Aww. They've been watching me since I was seven, you know? Mm-hmm. So it was very, it was sad. But then, you know, I did come back. So, <laughs> yes. <laughs> but then that's why the CWHL folding this year, like, um, at a, like I was saying on my podcast, I was like, the saddest thing when I got folded is, like, my first thought was, like, I texted my mom. I, I was like, the league just folded. Like, I was still on the conference call. She's like, what? I go, I can't believe I just played my last game and, like, didn't know it. Like, you know, like, I can't believe the Clarkson Cup where we lost was my last game and I didn't know it because we were in the locker room, you know soaking in the loss and, and you know we're like Poulet and everyone's like hey well like we gotta remember what this feels like because next year like we're not gonna let this happen we're gonna play better and oh that hurts it hurts that's awful yeah yeah it really hurts so um how like never having competed at that high of a level how difficult is it to get over hard losses like that like how long how long does it take to process that um i feel like it's like something that for i know i think everyone probably processes it differently um like i would almost say like for me this this past loss because like, I really felt like we we got beat because, like, we didn't play well in the first period. So, like, you know, when you have a loss where you know it's kind of your own fault, like, it's not – you don't want to lose because, like, the other team beat you, but, like, it's almost easier when you're like, shit, they just played so well, you know? When you're like, we just came out so flat that it didn't seem like we wanted to be there. For me, it was, it was really hard because you start thinking – you know, what What did my game look like in that first 20 minutes? So, I, I, you know, that first night is like, you're not really sure what you're thinking. You just feel sad. And then, and then, um, give me like a week to kind of like, not get over it. I'm like still not over it, but like, you're just kind of like, okay, well, time to move on. Like, we'll just put the work in and then uh, we'll, we'll get back to, back to work, essentially. We'll just, you know, get better so that we can, um, win, and then, but then, like usually, if we were going to play Calgary again this year, that first game, you kind of relive that moment for me. So you're over it, but you get flashbacks sometimes of of that emotion, and I think that's what like can fuel you to 
to, to be better because you kind of you want to forget but you don't want to completely forget because that's going to push you to to I don't know, dig deeper you can like use it as motivation later exactly it, it's so interesting because you know like as as fans watching teams, you know, you always kind of wonder like, well, what's going to happen? Is is like is the team going to come out flat? Is it going to is are they going to get off to a good start? And I I feel like, you know, as spectators, you often don't know like what what makes a team like come out flat or what makes a team, you know, really bring it on like when they're starting a game. Like that's that's just something that yeah. we don't really have good insight into. And and honestly, I mean, that's like the mystery of sports sometimes. Because, like, there's so many pieces, like, like there's so many players, but there's also, like, support staff, and it's just, like, the week you had. Like, sometimes I feel like a lot of times you, you know when you're going to have a good weekend, like, get a good week of practice. Everyone was, like, hyped up. Um, so you could feel it. It's, like, it sounds weird, but it's, like, there's sometimes just, like, a really good energy, and you're just, like, it's going to go well, but, like, what's weird about this year is, like, I felt like, and, you know, I've talked about this with other players, like, we felt like we had it before, like, we, we felt like we had the good energy, and then we just came out, and, I mean, that's what I love about, like, team sports, is that, and, and, like, you could just have momentum swings, like, we could have gone out with, like, good energy, and then it took, like, first shift, something weird happened, and, you know, I don't know, brought, brought, our mojo down I'm not sure but sometimes you don't even know like cause and, and it's hard cause you're like I can control only my game mm-hmm. you know I can't control other people's games so and, and it's not like that we're placing blame it's just like sometimes you just you know it is hard cause then you can try and overcompensate but you're like hey just focus on my thing like if everyone does their piece it'll be okay well, I think it would be a lot less fun and, if it was like a scientific. If we do X, Y, and Z, then we're going to get this outcome. You know, and, and exactly. we're, we're, we're obviously not playing at high levels, but I think we've had nights in our scrimmages where like stuff is just not happening, and like every shift is just yeah. horrible. And you're watching the clock, just thinking, "Can this be done? Like, I'm over <laughs> this. I'm not having fun no, right now." For sure, and like the whole thing, like you know, people say we're just not getting the bounces. Sometimes it's cheesy, but it's so true. It's like someone took a shot and hit like seventeen shin pads and like yep. went in, and then <laughs> uh, and then the other, you know, and you're like, what the hell? And then your team hits like seventeen posts that game. You're like, what the hell? Yeah. <laughs> the hockey gods. Are but guys. that's the fun part. That's, yeah, hockey gods. But that's the fun part, though. That's the fun part of it. So when you came back um, to play for the CWHL, um, did you have to like how how did you actually like get that started? Did you have to go talk to someone, or did did was there like a process for that? Just kind of curious about. Um, yeah. So so there is like a process, and um, so the CWHL had a draft, um, but it's it's very much symbolic because the thing is like they didn't. Like, that first year when I joined, like, there was absolutely no compensation. And even, like, the last two years when we got paid, like, it was, you're not living off it. So, um, for a lot of us, it's like, well, you know, uh, I'm going to play, I want to play on this team because I live here, I have a job here. And for me, I was finishing grad school, so it was like, I entered the draft. And basically, when you enter the draft, you, uh, you say where, like, where you could play, um, 
So I only put Montreal. So it's basically like no other team can draft me because I'm I'm not going to show up, unfortunately. <laughs> like the only team that's different is Toronto because there's two teams there. So you select Toronto as your region. You can get drafted by either team and you, you have to go play on that team because geographically there's less constraints. And so that's like technically all you have to do. Like I had, because I had some friends on the team, they put me in, in touch with Meg Hewings, our GM, and I spoke with her a little bit before the draft saying, hey, I'm thinking of entering the draft. Like, uh, I'm only putting Montreal. So, like, you know, if you guys are in need of some players, please, you know, she would have saw my name on the, like, list that I entered the draft, but I'm like, hey, I'm here and I want to play. So she knew that, like, I was going to show up to training camp because then when you get drafted, then there's a training camp, which is basically a tryout. So, um then you have to make the team at that point. And then once imagining you, make the team, how, then you get to play. I'm just imagining how hilarious it would be if, like, <laughs> the NHL draft worked that way. And oh, yeah. Kids we got to, like, list, like, I will only be drafted by this team because that's where I want to live. And, you know, the poor, like, senators will have nobody. Like, we draft no one because <laughs> yeah, no yeah. one wanted to play for us. <laughs> yeah, seriously. But it's funny. But it's like, hey, I'm not going to, like, quit grad school and, and go play in Calgary and even not right now I'm not in school but like I have a really good job in Montreal like I you know I can't afford to uproot my life to go play for two thousand dollars yeah I mean and we've, <laughs> we've talked about that rent. before about how you know it's it's you know like you know the NWHL is talking about expanding and how kind of sometimes unrealistic mm-hmm. it seems because you know you have to have teams where people have jobs because you're not paying yeah. these women a living wage, so they have to eat somehow. You can't just yeah. uproot them and put them somewhere and hope for the best. Yeah, no. No. So, I mean, it, it's like, like, the draft is, like, symbolic, but it's, like, something because we were pro- professionally, like, you had to implement it. Because, like, I mean, the goal eventually was to get, you know, living wages, mm-hmm. and then the draft would really be authentic in the sense that, like, hey, if like, you could focus 100% of your time on hockey, you don't need a job, you're going to have to go to the team that drafted you. And, you know, that's the ultimate goal. <coughs> so, um, it, it sounds like there was some overlap when you were finishing up your graduate studies with your um, your hockey playing or your professional hockey playing. Is that is that right? Yes. So, my, my first year with Le Canadien was my last year of, of grad school. Was that hard to balance? And then, and <laughs> honestly, it was easier. It was easier because, like, the last year of grad school, um, so I was in a research program. Um, I had, you know, by the time I joined the Canada, like, I had done most of, like, my actual research, and I was mainly writing my thesis. Um, but also with grad school, like, it, depending on your, your supervisor, who you work under, um, like is very flexible like my supervisor was incredible he was like i don't care when you come to the lab like if your work's getting done then your work's getting done so like it it was flexible in the sense that like if if we needed to leave friday early for some reason for a game i don't you know it was no problem for me i was just like okay like i just you know showed up uh you know to the lab another day of the week or just like wrote on the flight or the bus so it was almost easier because it was just a little bit more flexible like my current job isn't necessarily super flexible it's it's 
it's almost a nine to five. Like there is some some wiggle room, but you know the expectations are a little bit different. And you know my supervisor was a fan of the tennis, and so when <laughs> I, and I didn't know that until I like we were chat, chatting, and I was like, "What are you doing this weekend?" I'm like, "Hey, well, I'm actually going to join that like a professional team." He's like, "What?" He kind of damning like that's awesome. He's like, "I knew you played in in college, but like." You know, I didn't know you had an intention to, to play. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, and, you know, I was like, yeah, don't worry. Like, it's not going to intervene with my work. He's like, hell no. He's like, let's go. I'm so excited about this. So, you know, I just had, like, a good boss in, uh, in grad school. That's awesome. So um, we saw you tweeted the other day about why visibility is such a huge issue in women's sports and that it took you 23 years to see your idols play live and that they were your teammates at that point. So, um we want to know who your idols were and then how weird it was to be playing alongside them. Oh, it, it was, so it basically just like generation, you know, that I was from, like, it was like Kevin and Wynette and like Julie Chu, you know, and then that gang. So I, I joined again and, and, uh, I remember it was training camp. So we do training camp. It was like the end. And I hope they don't mind me sharing this. So then we went out for some drinks, like after training camp. And, um, I remember I was with Julie Chu and I was like, hey, I think I went to a camp like in Pennsylvania or something when I was younger. Like they had like a camp like so I'd been coached by them, but like I hadn't seen them play. So I'm telling her that she's like, oh, my God. And I was like, don't age me. <laughs> I was like, no, this is so cool. Like, I can't believe like I'm not playing with you. Because <laughs> like, yeah, I hadn't seen them. Like I, I saw them every four years on the Olympics, you know, that was, that was it, because uh, the CWHL really wasn't a thing, and honestly, I wasn't aware of it, my parents weren't aware of it when I was young, but I, I was, I guess, 12 years ago, like, I guess I could have, like, I could have been on the age to maybe catch a game, but that was, like, first year of the season when it was basically a group of girls driving, carpooling down to Toronto, you know, it wasn't, there was, we thought there was no visibility last year, there was definitely no visibility 12 years ago. <laughs> so if you had to, to name one, who is your favorite hockey player ever? Ever? Ever. I really liked Cheryl Pounder when I was younger. And I think that was just because, like, again, she was, like, on the Olympic team and, and she played defense and she grew up, like, you know, not too far, you know, like, in Ontario anyways and, like, a couple hours from me. So I was, I think... That's just a test. She was my favorite player because, like, she hit the most check box where I could see myself. She's female, she plays hockey, she grew up somewhere near me. It was, like, perfect. <laughs> so, They're solid reasons. That's the one I remember. Yeah, right? <laughs> uh, so, uh, like, were, were you, like, intimidated at all playing with, like, your idols or, or like, people who you had, like, seen on TV or, 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 like, given your experience in college playing at such a high level, was it kind of, like, not as much of an issue? Um, I mean, I was just mostly excited, like, because I, I hadn't gotten an opportunity to play with or against them um, before. Like, a lot of the other players, you know, who I, you know, they're, they're still my teammates, and I think they're incredible people. Like, I I had played against them a lot in college. So, you know, those, like, Cagle and Julie Chu and Chacon and Charlie Levante, like, I just never got the chance to even play against them. Um, so I was mostly excited as far as like level of play, like it, it was more like I, I, I felt like I belonged there. I was just like, I can't wait to learn more from them. 
So for me, it was more of an aspect of like, I, I definitely know, like, I'll be able to learn. Um, I love that from, self From their game, but also, <laughs> yeah, and, and they're all coaches now, like, you know, so I'm like, perfect. Like, you know, I can learn by watching them too, but they're also just really great at, you know, giving uh, con- constructive criticism. Um, so I was excited to just like improve again. That's the other thing is like, I hadn't played hockey in a while and I missed, you know, devoting my time to like actually getting better, better. So it was, it was, it was an exciting thing for me. I think that's such a great attitude to have. Cause I know, like I think about playing against like, you know, hockey stars, you know, on any of the Olympic teams, any of the pro teams. And I just kind of want to curl up into a little ball in one of the corners and be like, I'm sorry. I don't even want to pass to you because I'm going to screw it up. And like, <laughs> humiliate no, myself. No. <laughs> it's like, I'm just going to stand here and look like I know what I'm doing and hope that the puck comes nowhere near me. And that'll be great. <laughs> no, I, I mean, don't, don't be scared because like even them, they're trying to get better too. Like somewhere else, everyone's trying to just learn the skills. So yeah. I think any opportunity you get to surround yourself with people that are better is uh, a great opportunity to just, take something away from it, even if it's one little thing, you know? So one of the huge issues, um, of course, with um, the PWP, I, I always get the letters wrong. <laughs> honestly, honestly, <laughs> us too. So I oftentimes just say the whole thing. I'm like, professional women's hockey players association. It's like almost easier to say the whole thing. Yeah, I think so. Because if you can't, you will like get the words reversed. Um, so... Um, like clearly one of the big issues is being paid a living wage um so like what what does that exactly mean to you all like what what would a living wage look like um or would it vary from like depending on where you were like what locality you were in yeah I I mean I don't know like I think it like it would probably vary on on city because like Montreal is like a much cheaper city than Toronto so like you know those individuals are going to have to get paid at a base a little bit more because we don't want anyone to feel strapped. Like, we're very much of understanding, like, we don't want to make, like, a million dollars, like, year one, you know? This is, like, a long-term goal. But, like, the quicker we could get to just uh, a wage where you're not worried about making your month's rent, right? Like, like, all these girls basically need, we need rent food on the table like a little bit of money so you know we can put gas in our cars and you know i don't know buy a couple things a month like uh you know free gym memberships like that's all we need like i i always jokingly say like i lived on the grad school salary of twenty eight thousand in montreal and i made it work i mean it was pretty tight so it would be nice to have like a little bit more, uh, you know, in, in the future. But, like, you know, the European leagues, like, get a lot of North American girls, and they go there and they get to focus on hockey. Um, a lot of times, you know, they get a free car, not each player, but it's, like, all they put, like, a series of girls. They have an, a condo or an apartment, you know, four girls live together. You guys share one car. Here's a monthly stipend for, you know, food and, you know, basic living expenses, like, we, you should be allowed to go get, like, a, a beer if you want and not feel like, you know, it's going to take away from 
from your rent or whatever. So, I don't know, the living wage question, I can't put a number on it, but it's basically just just enough so you can focus on hockey 100% of the time. And we know that, you know, playing a sports means you need to eat well and have access to training facilities. So just honestly, like the basic necessities of, of training. I think that a lot of people don't necessarily appreciate the cascading effect of not making a living wage on your, your game and your team and, and just like your ability to mm-hmm. play at the highest level. So can you go into that more and explain like what, how you saw that play out? Yeah, for sure. So, like, the first thing, like, I think, like, the first benefit you'd see, like, from a league that had, like, a living living wage for, for women's hockey is you would get way more people in the draft and inevitably just, like, higher quality people, like, players as well. Because, like, the thing is you're limited to players that live in a city that have a job there, right? Like, I have so many other friends that are, like, that I played with I graduated same year as me, the year before, the year, you know, after, who were extremely good hockey players. And, like, even better than me. And, like, they would 100% belong in the league. And you would just see the level already go up because people wouldn't quit, you know? So, A, you would just get more options and, you know, probably some that are better options, too. Like, I'm older now. Like, there's some of the younger girls, are, like, they're incredible. They're really good. But they might quit after hockey or after college because, well, again, they can't make it work in the city. But if they didn't have to worry about work, they would just come and maybe steal my spot. So I think that's the first benefit you would see. Um, second thing is you could devote more time to playing hockey. Right now we only practice twice a week, which in college we were practicing – you know, four times a week as a team and then additional skills. Like, I was on the ice probably, including games, I was on the ice probably nine times a week. Wow. You know, and now as a professional, I'm on the ice four times a week. Two of those are games. So, uh, but you can't, we can't do more. Like, honestly, I can't work my 40-hour week and go to the rink every night and, and, and be... A person <laughs> like it would it would it's just too much so you would see just people keep developing because they could they could be on the ice more um, and then I think the other thing is just like the tired aspect um, when we played Calgary this year we flew Saturday morning so for me personally because like some people have different realities um, the national girls Fortunately, like, they get to train full-time. Um, and then there's other people like me that work, like, a full-time job. Some people work part-time. Jobs. Like, every situation is different. But, like, for me, it would be, like, work 40 hours a week, two nights, you know, we had practice where, you know, I worked, I ate really quickly, I was at the ring basically all night, get home at 11.30. And then now Saturday morning, I'm up early, I fly to Calgary, um, get off a five, I think it's a five-hour flight, five-hour flight, um, play a hockey game really late at night because travel time. Um, we're tiny bit jet lag, and then we had to sleep like 10 hours and then play early afternoon Sunday because, well, we have to get back Sunday evening because we got to go to work on Monday. So 
honestly, like, not my best games. Like, it's not going to be my best games. Like, I personally played my best games in China, jet lag, and I was like, why do I play so good? Well, I had a week where, like, I got up, like, in the morning I got up, I, like, slept in, you know, I ate breakfast, like, did a little workout. You know, I was just, like, devoting my time to hockey. You're not going to get the best out of each individual when they're spending majority of their time working. So I think that's like the three things. You just get more more quality players that will continue to play professionally. They'll get to touch the puck more and just work on continuing to develop their skills. And then A, they'll be well-rested and doing the taking the right measures to be prepared for their games. Because like I'm unfortunately not taking the right measures to be 100% for my game. You know, I'm often tired. Maybe I didn't eat super well that week because I don't know, like, I was, like, I travel for work now. So, you know, I had to eat out a bunch or, I don't know. You know, there's, like, different facets. But I think, like, those are the three biggest things that, like, would, the quality of the game would explode. Does that make sense? That was, like, long-winded. No one ever gave me the opportunity to really, like, dive into that. (laughs) No, that makes that makes so much sense. I mean, I, I feel like most people, no matter what they're doing, don't function as well as they could, you know, even if they have a desktop, if yeah. they're if they're tired and um, not yeah. not well rested. Um, so for- and who knows stress like, you know, we I have other like uh, teammates that kind of have like high pressure jobs like. You know, they, you want to compartmentalize, but I don't know what their week was like. Maybe they got a big deadline next week. You know, maybe it's becoming the end of the quarter of the year and they have to meet some quotas. You know, I don't know. Like, that could play a role, too. For sure. Yeah, that's something I hadn't thought of is that is that stress and not being able to, to actually focus like one, in the moment yeah. can, can really mm-hmm. kind of put you off of your game. Um so um, you mentioned that you you would go to practice and that you would be at the rink at all hours. How long would a practice be and when would it start? So our practice time was like, honestly, I think it was like 8.45 we would get on the ice. But we generally were at the rink for like 7, 7.30. Because sometimes we'd have video sessions, you know, or, you know, a small like group. Uh, mobility workout or something like that. Um, but A, like, we couldn't start earlier because if someone works till five or six, traffic to get to the rink, you know. So um, let's say I'm there at, at seven on the ice, practicing at 8.45. Like, we get off the ice sometimes. Maybe we practice at 8.30. But we're off the ice usually around, like, quarter to ten or something. Ten, and then, you know, by the time you shower, get home, and oftentimes for me, it was like, when do I eat? Because <laughs> I don't want to eat too much before practice and, like, feel sick. And then now I'm eating dinner at, like, 11.30 p.m. <laughs> yeah, which is not, not good. That's awful. <laughs> no, so, yeah, I mean, we did what we could. <laughs> so do you think that players having day jobs affected team cohesion? I don't think so. Like, because sometimes people ask about that because, and, like, my my roommate Erin Ambrose is a, a national team player, so she, we live different lives. Like her job is hockey, but I think we're such a, a team, and like 
and it's not even just our team. I think everyone in like women's hockey, everyone knows that we're playing and we like we're playing really for a bigger goal. So like everyone's just super supportive. Like I, I don't feel any envy for, for these players. Like I'm just happy that they get to do that because it's the steps that other girls took before me to, to allow even, you know, the Olympians to train full time and um and whatnot. And, you know, they are totally understanding of our reality and they do whatever they can to make, you know, my life easier. You know, my roommate would be like, Hey Mel, like I, I made dinner for you or whatever, like, she's like, hey, I'm going to get your, I'm running late, so like, hey, I'll get your gear, like, just meet me at the rink, like, so, you know, everyone's just on the same team and on the same page that, you know, A, we want to do what we can to win because we're still, like, competitive athletes, and and B, like, you know, it's it's not totally all about us, we're here trying to, to achieve bigger things as well, so, I don't I, I never, I never felt it anyways, so, I think... I think it's, I mean, it's something we saw, like, but everyone was just trying to support each other in whatever means they could. I think that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, I, I jokingly sometimes put it, I go, because they're funded through Hockey Care, so sometimes I joke, I go, all the taxes I pay. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, that's how that works, yeah, right? Like, have that. You work yeah, for so me. sometimes <laughs> I have that in my back pocket, I go, hey... And <laughs> you get to train because I went up a tax bracket. You are you are welcome. <laughs> um, With love. So on the lighter side of things, one question we got from um, a listener was, um, "What has your most memorable fan interaction been?" Oh, okay. Let me think. Ah, uh, there's so many because we see so many like young girls that it's nice because I didn't get that chance. Okay, this is not like a total fan interaction. It was like a personal, like a one-on-one interaction. But like, so this year at the Clarkson Cup, uh, we were losing, and there was like a TV timeout. So I'm on the ice, just like waiting, right? Um, and the, the game, in-game host must have said, like, make some noise or something. Because I, I didn't hear it. Because, like, when you're kind of in the game, like, I don't really, especially when I'm on the, on the ice, I don't, like, really see the crowd um, or hear them. Um, but I assume that's what the in-host game said because next thing you know, there's, like, a piercing, like, the crowd is screaming, you know, cheering. But it was so, like, high-pitched. That they like pulled me out, and I was like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> and then it was in that moment I realized, it's like, "Oh my god, this is like six thousand people, but it's six thousand like young girls, <laughs> like a little bit higher pitch." And I was like, "Oh my god, that's painful, but so exciting." <laughs> so like that wasn't like a personal fan interaction, but it was like in that moment that I was tired, that I was like, "Wow, this is incredible!" That like so many young girls get to see this right now, even though, like, I'm losing and I'm frustrated, but, like, because I, I never got to sit with where they were sitting. Um, so I like that. I mean, anytime, too, like, when young people, and this is not to sound, like, self-centered, but it's, like, anytime some people are, like, like, you're my favorite player because, like, you know, a lot of people get name recognitions for being on the Olympic team, right? And anytime they're, like, 
or or they're like, I wear number seventeen too. I'm like, yeah, you know, like <laughs> I like that too. But I think it wasn't a direct fan interaction, but that was no. I, I think, think that's that was awesome. Cool it is. So sticking with the lighter with the lighter stuff, um, we hear ad nauseum about um, male players' ridiculous or disgusting superstitions. We all know about the whole playoff beard thing. Um, so <laughs> two-parter, is there a women's equivalent of the playoff beard? And then okay. aside from that, um, did you or your teammates have any funny or, or gross? I mean, we don't want to close it off. Superstitions. <laughs> um. I, okay, I personally am not very superstitious, but, like, you get you get stuck in other people's superstitions. <laughs> like, like it, it, and especially in college. In college, it gets really bad because you can spend four years, right, like, <laughs> like with these people. So, like, I would inevitably, like, have a routine, not because I wanted to, but it's, like, <laughs> This girl likes to hit my shin pad at this time during warm-ups. And then this one likes to flick a puck at me, you know? So, like, and then I, have to, like, throw it back. So there's, like, a lot of that happening. Like, trying to think if I personally have a super... I'm very much of, like, I don't want to get into routine, so I, like, try and do different things um, um, every game. I mean, I like to... We all, I, I really like to play, like, soccer keep-up before games, so that's, I guess, pretty superstitious, like... There, there are groups. There are groups. There are groups that play soccer to warm up. There are groups that play hockey sack. There are groups that like just stretch. Um, other people have definitely like uh, game day like undergarment stuff that they really like to wear. I just go with whatever's clean. <laughs> um, as as far as yeah, I'm trying to think if anyone on the team has something that's like super weird. Um. I feel I like there has to be like somebody. Most- I mean, there are so many <laughs> NHL guys with these truly grotesque, horrifying, you know, situations like Sidney Crosby and his nasty jock strap, or like, you know, there are so many yeah. gross things. Like, there has to be somebody on a women's team who's like, I know, I'm gross, so I feel like there has to be something. <laughs> oh, no. There's, I mean, there's still some gross gear out there. <laughs> Mine's um, so gross. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to think about it, but like, I'll address the uh, game day beard. Um, we we didn't do it. We didn't do it with a Kevin said, but in college, through, we had just, I guess, game day or playoff leg hairs. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, so so say Lawrence literally you couldn't shave your legs. <laughs> we were just like walking around with really hairy legs. That's amazing. <laughs> that was our game day beard. That's yeah. amazing. So, it's like extra padding yeah, for your legs. It's better anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so we did that, and like we were strict about it. We had like <laughs> like you had to you have to pay a fine if you shave. <laughs> so um, we had game day leg hairs or armpit hairs. I guess you That's amazing. That too. That's amazing. It was basically no shaving, um, but we never really did it with the cameras yet. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this has been a burning question for me for a really long time. I know. I think this is one of the things we debated in, like, one of our very, very first episodes. Like, we had to know. <laughs> this is amazing. Yeah, no. Uh, and I honestly, I think a lot of college women's teams had the, the no shaving. 
That's awesome. Because, well, we, we didn't grow beards. But yeah. <laughs> we would have noticed. <laughs> so you, you talked about funky gear. And so this is this is something that we deal with a lot, both like with the kids we coach and then the, the incredibly disgusting guys that we skate with. Um, yeah. Is pro oh, women's yeah. hockey gear as foul smelling as like your average teenager or beer leaguer's gear is? On- Honestly, I, I think boys and men just smell worse. They're disgusting. <laughs> I I think it's true. I don't know. Like, there's just, there's some people that just like don't wash their gear as much. Like, some people are very meticulous. I'll say Hillary Knight washes her gear like all the time. Yay, Hillary Knight! <laughs> like, it's like all the time. Like, I She's I go to her, her like her apartment and like her gear. Like, because it's summer now. Like, we don't have a like a home rink, right? <laughs> so, uh, like, it's like she just washed it every day. Like, she has very clean gear. She's very clean. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> my idol. Yeah. Um, yeah. I have to throw out my elbow pads this season because it was at the point where, like, you'd washed it so many times, but it still smells. Oh, so no. So I, I was like, I just oh, got to no. buy a, a new pair. Oh, it's horrible. I, I definitely get to the point I now feel where, like... like I go to the rink sometimes and I find myself plotting ways to steal some of their gear and like, yeah, I don't know whether I want to burn it or wash it, honestly, but like the, the smell well, is so bad. I think people just don't realize you could wash your gear. Like, yeah, I like honestly think literally just throw work. it in the machine. I, yeah. Like I throw in everything in the machine, like shoulder pads, yep. whatever. Like it's not going to like, I think people just don't really do that. I'm like everything in the machine, like load it up. Like the only thing is like hockey pants, like are sometimes like don't fit. Mm-hmm. But I feel like that's like the least smelliest thing. Yep. Well, we and now we can tell. We can it off. Like, <laughs> yeah. We can tell everyone. We can be like professional players. Throw wash their, their gear. They wash their gear. So, so you, can you know do. you can do it too. Wash it in with those like uh, those. Scented boost things. Yes, a little <laughs> yeah. scent beads. Yes. <laughs> yes, like a lot of those. <laughs> Do us all a favor. <laughs> and if you can, try it outside in the sun. Like if it's the summer, I feel like that. I'm like, I don't know. I kind of like a, a nerd. I'm like, maybe the UVs will kill some of the bacteria. Probably <laughs> <laughs> onto something. I mean, it can't hurt, right? <laughs> it can't hurt, yeah. So, um,. I guess since, like, we're talking about the summer and, like, the off-season, um, there's been uh, so much going on with the Professional Women's Hockey Players Association. Um, how do you see all of this shaking out? Um, do you do you feel like you have a sense for what is ultimately going to happen? Like, long-term or short-term? Um, I guess both. Like, this year or, like, long-term? Yeah. Like, okay. Mm-hmm. Um, well, so, short-term... Um, well, we, we know, like, I know more information. I can't tell you all of it. Um, sure. There's going to be, so you can always just follow the uh, Professional Women's Hockey Players Association um, uh, website, so the pwhpa.com. Uh, there will be some announcements um, in the next few weeks, hopefully. We actually have a call tonight um, with everyone, so we'll, we'll find out a little bit more. But what this year is going to look like is um, – there are definitely regions. There's regions where we'll be training. So Montreal is the region. 
Um, Toronto has two two teams there too. So, in a lot of places, uh, and there's some additional places in the states. Um, there, there's kind of like an aggregate of uh, PWHPA members, and we will be training together. So this year, as far as practice-wise, it's not going to look that different for us. Um, there have been some donors that have stepped up to, to get some practice time for us. So like, we'll still be practicing as if it was another season. And as far as games, is with these series of, or these, um, these different regions, we're going to get together at certain times of the year to play um, some, some like, showcases, essentially, like, uh, you know, a couple games or with a, you know, four or five teams, something like that. And, um, and we're going to try to do it in each of the regions. So, so there'll be some, some high-caliber hockey and, like, a lot of competition um, over those weekends. And then beyond that, uh, every region is just going to be looking to play exhibition games against other, like, high-quality teams. So, like, we'll probably be playing some of the local CIS teams, which is the, the, the university-level teams. Um, in Montreal, like McGill, um, I think we're going to basically see if, if, if people want to play against us and, you know, they're, they're of pretty good quality, we're going to get on the ice with them. So that's kind of what this year is going to look like, I think. And, you know, the, the, it's going to be an, a challenging year. I'm sure, like, there will be a lot of adversity along the way, but, you know, I think everyone is a, a is willing to take on that challenge and is in the right state of mind to to balance that. I mean, so this year is really for us is a gap year. Like finding out the CWHL folded, there's there's just not enough time to really get uh, a new league off the ground and off the ground with the right resources and, and intentions. Like for us, it was really like we don't want to rush whatever's next. You know, we want to we'll just take this year. Um, you know networks, talk to a lot of people, get get some insight and, and some counsel on how maybe we can start something new and fresh that's going to be sustainable and viable long term. And then long term, like, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to say, like, how it's going to shake out. But like, I personally am like really optimistic that um, we will we will get something going in a short amount of time that that'll look uh truly like a professional league and, and what's it's going to take is like it's going to take uh, investment and not only financially like uh, you know it, it takes emotional investment to to build a new league like it's not going to be something that's going to be profitable like year one like so um, I'm, I'm hoping after this year we can work with the right people to to start off a new league and you know the, the first year whatever new league it, how it how it is like I we're going to be realistic like I don't think we're going to get a living wage you know but you know if we could kind of not go back to where we were 12 years ago but like maybe you know some sort of financial compensation and then and then really work towards uh, that living wage in the next you know three three years or something so I don't know we'll see we gotta get a lot of things in place but I think we have the right mentality, the right people, and I think, uh, A, just the perseverance. So I think we'll get it done. I know we're really excited to see. 
Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, we're we're really excited. I mean, we're we're obviously always hoping to see more news come out, but we we know, and I think we've both been hoping that there's stuff happening behind the scenes that you know will be revealed. Yeah, so there is a lot, <laughs> and even even like I'm not like privy to all of it because I mean, there's just like a lot of people a part of all of this, and I think what gives me confidence is that after the leaks folded, just the amount of support, like. You know, of course, like, my network is biased. It's, like, a lot of people know that I play, like, hockey, and, you know, at a competitive level, level but everyone was, like, okay, how can we help? Like, what do we got to do to, like, turn this ship around? And I think just that outpouring, um, you know, gives me faith that when we can figure out basically how to funnel all this energy and where it should go, we'll get something uh, going. So speaking of people wanting to help, um one of the questions we had was what can fans do to help grow the game, to help support for the game? And then it's kind of a, a tough sort of multi-parter because, you know, not only can we do in terms of, of spreading the word for the PWHPA, but, you know, the the NWHL exists as of right now. Um, mm-hmm. What, you know, do we, do we go to games and support those women playing? Do we not? Um, no, I mean, like I what think do, it's what like, do fans do? Yeah, so I mean, yeah, because there's a lot of there is a, like and uh, then you know there's like for me there's no animosity like there they all, we all want the same thing at the end of the day so like as a, as a fan like the first thing you could do is attend games you know whether that's ours or the end up like go like I'm I'm not here to say don't go to end up like definitely go definitely go like. Everyone, like, anytime someone's attending women's hockey, talking about women's hockey, it, it sounds little, but, like, that's how things grow. Because we don't exist without the fan base. Like, we, I can't live the reality that I envision for women at a professional level without the fans. Like, you, you guys are really uh, what's going to set this thing off. So, I mean, anytime you're talking about it or attending – you know, that's what we need. If you want to do more direct help, like on the PWHPA website, there's basically like a contact, um, contact us section. Just, just say, I want to help. How can I help? Like, because the thing is when, when the league just folded, I was talking with Kevin, like one of my teammates, really, we were like, Hey, well, we got to do, what are we going to do now? What are we going to do? Like people want to help. I'm like, Hey, well, we like, who do we direct people who want to help? So that's how we're functioning right now. Like, if, if you want to help and you just be like, hey, I want to volunteer at one point, you know, just maybe contact contact the PWHPA. And for example, like, in Montreal, at one point we're going to be hosting a bunch of games. Uh, if, if you want to just volunteer to, to help out, contact the PWHPA. They will basically disseminate that information to, like, oh, the local person that's kind of coordinating things and you can help them that way. If you want to help financially, again, just through the website, be like, hey, I, or, or with services, for us right now, services, someone's like, hey, I have ice time, you know, the girls can come use it, you know, so that's like more direct help. I mean, I think just as far as we know how much visibility counts, so just, and you know, it would be nice if maybe you worked for like, ESPN or something and <laughs> you'd be like I'm gonna give you an hour of airtime that would be nice too but like be, be amazing right just like <laughs> right <laughs> but anytime like just 
go and go watch it. Go watch your NCAA teams, your CIS games. Like it, it, it has to start from the bottom as well. You know, I mean, NCAA hockey is incredible hockey. Uh, so go watch those women's play and you know that it's affordable that's the nice part too like it's family oriented so I think if you're watching hockey and you're talking about it it's it's definitely doing something so um you have your own podcast and so I mean and also like any other projects you're working on that you want to plug for people who are listening uh, any other project? Uh, <laughs> I mean, you're very busy as a uh, you have a job and a podcast. Now that you're not doing <laughs> enough already, but um, no, I have a, I always have some side projects, <laughs> just, like putting the time to. It. No, I do have a podcast. It's called uh, the Last Stretch Podcast, and I host it with Stafia, which was actually our like media coordinator um, for the Kenneth Den. She's she's incredible. That's the other thing people don't realize. Like Stafia, like I'm gonna give her a big show. She's incredible. She. She had just, like, you know, graduated Concordia University. You know, she's 20, I think she's 26, 25, and took on the Academy for, like, zero money. She, and, you know, she, she did, like, five people's jobs. This is the thing. Everyone who ran the CWHL did the job of, like, five people. Like, we were playing at the Bell Center, and she was, like, basically, like, they have seven people doing what I do. And... You know, she did it. She did it because she she loves it and she loves the game and she sees the value in in supporting us. And so, shout out to Safia, but she is my co-host and is basically uh, just a sports podcast. Um, we talk about anything that really helps contribute to an athlete's success in general. That was like the original concept, uh, concept, but now we just like interview cool people too. Uh, but anything sports. Uh, related, we have we've had like sports psychs on, like uh, strength and conditioning coaches, athletes in different sports. Because it's fun to learn about different sports. Like we interviewed a, a, a woman on the national rugby team. Like, hey, I didn't know much about rugby. I I knew about it again visibility. I didn't know about rugby until it was in the Olympics. And watching those women play rugby seven, I was like, they are they are the fittest athletes in the world. I think. Um, so if if you like sports and you want to learn about pretty much anything surrounding it, how media covers it, um, you can check out at the Last Stretch Pod on like Twitter and Instagram, and we're available on like Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. But that's that's like my other project. Other project, I mostly have hobbies. After I like to bike a lot. I cycle <laughs> a lot. So that my project is slowly converting. Um, all my teammates into cyclists. I convinced many of them to get road bikes. And now my next project is to make cycling jerseys and re, uh, I guess, uh, reincarnate Les Canadiens as a cycling club. That, that is would my be amazing. goal. That's awesome. <laughs> um, we're so appreciative of all the time that you took to talk to us. Um, this this has just been fascinating. Um, it's really a, a unique opportunity to kind of ask all the questions that we wanted to ask of um, like an elite professional women's hockey player. It's really the, the hard-hitting questions we've been wanting to ask, <laughs> like whether they have creepy playoff beard <laughs> traditions. <laughs> I mean, I mean it, those are the funny questions. Like even like when, um, like, even when I was at college at university, the guys on the men's team was like, 
So would you guys talk about the locker room? <laughs> I mean, I mean, we talk about exactly what you talk about. We are about just as gross room. as you, yeah. buddy. I'm like, we're definitely talking about the same thing. Exactly the same stuff. We're all disgusting. Yeah. Well, thank you. Like, it's so funny. <laughs> thank you so much. Um, we really, no problem. Really Thanks for having it. me. All right, and we'll see you on Twitter.